what's happening everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music, sometimes from the previous year on the podcast. <laughs> My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Last week, we did a recap of the entire decade. And if Mm -hmm. you uh, were looking at the playlist, you might have noticed there was nothing from the past year of 2019. Now, that wasn't necessarily intentional, um, but it is fitting because today we're going to be focusing on our greatest hits from 2019. And the way that we do these episodes, if you'll remember, um, we're not just focusing on music that was released in 2019, but we're looking at music that we sort of premiered on the show within the past year. That's right. Because on our podcast, you know, we do all sorts of different topics and different focuses. So usually um, we pick our tracks of the year based on some of the best music from each episode. So mm-hmm. if we had a show and tell and, you know, we picked our track of the week or if we did an episode on obscure Game Boy games or something, um, right. those tracks of the weeks might be contenders for our uh, greatest hits episode. And then we usually like to go through when we um, assemble these playlists and decide, you know, which of these sums up our experience of the past year and what would yeah. we consider track of the year. But a lot of these um, that are on here um, were actually written much earlier than 2019. Yeah, the majority of this playlist. I think there's two or three, maybe, uh, pieces of VG- VGM from actually released in 2019. But all this stuff was first played on our podcast this past year. And the way that I ordered the playlist this time, I don't think I usually do this for greatest hits is i actually have this playlist other than the play in and play out i have it ordered chronologically going from the earliest episode we drew from today to the most recent um and so yeah these episodes are always just jam-packed with amazing music some of our favorite episodes to do uh this is a very nostalgic time of year because we just had a recap episode last week with best of the decade and now we're doing mm-hmm. another one um for the podcast in 2019 well, so i love the this last time episode the last episode we recorded before we went to MAGFest. And yes, now, that's true. If you can tell from my voice, <laughs> uh, we're after MAGFest. And what and a MAGFest it was. Maybe, in maybe you know, kind of during one of these tracks, uh, you know, playing, maybe we can reminisce a little bit about our time at MAGFest. Um, but let's let's just dive in because we got so much great music to get to. What you guys heard playing in was a delightful piece of music that Will brought in on a show and tell. This is from San X Character Channel. It's the staff role composed by Kenichiro Iwasaki. Such a classic sounding track. I love that. I thought that would be sort of like a great Christmas song. It's just it is kind of really wintry and catchy. Well, let's go now to a much earlier Show and Tell episode, all the way back in February. This is uh, Show and Tell 27, and this is a track that I brought in that was the track of the week. It's called, I don't know what I how I would pronounce this. I think I might have said Poke Village uh, with two Ks, which has nothing to do with Pokemon. Uh, this is from the game Monster Hunter Generations, and we both really loved this track. It's composed by Akihiko Narita. Let's take a listen to Poke Village.
You guys are listening to I should I should give it a different pronunciation. Pocky <laughs> Village from Monster Hunter Generations, and this is composed by Akihiko Narita. Such a good track. I believe on that show and tell we mentioned that it kind of reminded us of the Legend of Zelda series. It's a great village theme. I love that it sounds very traditional uh, Japanese, but you also have some other elements in there too. Like there's kind of like this frame drum, um, which it's kind of like a good broad world music sound. It's it's just well, a very also, strong melody. The melody and, and chords here uh, are very kind of, wistful old Broadway ballad kind mm-hmm. of writing. I mean, Very I think sentimental. it makes us think of Japanese video game composers, um, but it also has that really pure, heartfelt quality, um, particularly yeah, that B so section. Good. I mean, it also reminds me a little bit of some of that older 50s, 60s production music. This mm-hmm. is like the Monster Hunter version of something like a slower song you'd hear on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Hmm. Um I don't know. I think it's really pretty. This is definitely one of the highlights from this past year. Absolutely. For me. I remember just such this a good one, one just blowing me away because it's it's rare to get such a a really powerfully captivating uh, tune like this, but mm-hmm. also present also presented in such a unique way. Um, that's maybe what made me think of Zelda because when I think of Zelda, I think of really great melodies. Uh, but I also think of um, immersion in the world and that the music helps to create the atmosphere. And it's not the only series that does that, but I love hearing tracks like this because it really excites my imagination and it makes me feel like as a composer, there's still so much almost like raw materials, you know, that that someone can create a new piece of music that's this pure, that's this exciting. Yeah. Um, That stuff really, yeah, that gets me going. Let's move on to a track from our Octopath Traveler Part 2 episode that we did in February of 2019, in which we played also outstanding tracks from that score that weren't in the first uh, episode we did. And so this is a track that we played for the first time this year, or last year, I should say. This is My Quiet Forest Home, composed by Yasunori Nishiki. You guys are listening to My Quiet Forest Home, an absolutely gorgeous piece of music from Octopath Traveler. Kind of uh, hitting myself for not including this on that first episode. I tried to pick the best stuff 
on that first episode, and clearly a lot of stuff um, was missed. This is composed by Yasunori Nishiki. I love how intimate this arrangement is here. Uh, All of the performers uh, really get to shine uh, in this piece of music, and the arrangement reminds me of of how it would have been approached on the Super Nintendo. It's a beautiful piece of music, uh, and it's a nice kind of showcase for where we are. Right. You know, in the current era of, of video games, that we can get something to sound so good and have such a high level of production. But really, the heart of this is quite similar to what you'd get in the 16-bit era. Yeah, because I think the the delay, the almost digital delay on the piano sound, as opposed to just making it wet with room space reverb, you know, uh, it gives it that synthetic digital quality and it makes mm-hmm. you very think spacious of, like the super nintendo sound where you would have that kind of tail on the end of it it's a very video gamey thing um, it's so good composers oh have been doing that you know since early chip music but yeah this is such a gorgeous piece such a gorgeous melody carl i was wondering if maybe this might be a good time for us to do a little bit of our magfest recap yeah let's do it so you guys may have seen on social media, definitely our highlight of MAGFest this year was getting to play Hothead Bop from DKC2 with the legendary David Wise joining us on stage. That was a really fun secret to keep from some of our MAG friends. Um, it was pretty crazy we were able to arrange that. The only way that was possible is that a few years back when we met and interviewed Dave in real life at a previous MAGFest and he started to follow us on Twitter and so... We kind of had that line of uh, communication open and just what a gracious and humble person, so willing to just play with the people at MAGFest. I mean, he played with a few different groups that weekend and just seemed like he had a wonderful time. That Oh, that was so fun. Yeah, that was absolutely unreal, getting to be that close to Dave Wise while he was playing music and we were playing one of his songs. And, and he just, just kind of soloing and messing around where, around it. Yeah, I mean, he was he played for the whole thing, but mm-hmm. it, you could tell it was like he sort of forgot a little bit how the melody went. Yeah, he, so was, he was remembering like listening it, yeah. to me playing it and like, oh yeah, that's how it goes. It was and amazing. That was just so crazy. There's this great moment. I think you can oh, even man. see it in the video we we released on Twitter and Facebook where you're you're playing that one section of the chorus where it has that melodic instrument and you're playing the actual yeah. SNES one. And he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I remember that sound. <laughs> it was just a cool. Right. It's a very, very cool moment. But it's also trippy because it's like we had to learn it, you know, exactly yeah. the way he wrote it. But then he was almost like learning it back from our having learned it. It was so, so special. Strange. So that was a highlight. But he, getting he, to he was see... also just so nice afterwards. He, yeah. he stuck around for the whole show. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, he couldn't have been more of a pro. And uh, it's like the dream version of getting to you know i don't know play on stage with one of your heroes like i can't imagine it actually happened and it was the best way just seeing all of our magfest friends and family again was great we met a lot of the uh, mercado fam uh for the first time in real life which was which was so fun so now putting some faces to those names uh is, is such a treat got to meet some of the other fellow vgm podcasters that were at MAGFest, uh, and it was so fun to meet so many amazing people this year. Our panel went very well. We had a panel about our homage music, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a great year. Yeah, I'm still just missing everybody. Uh, it's Me too. It's been kind of a, a rough week just in terms of like coming back and then just like the level of energy is so much lower. Right. And I feel like just for me personally, I just get so addicted to that being around so many people. Thing There's a Meg Blues I'm that not around people anymore. It's just kind of like, come down, oh. yeah. 
Well, let's move back to, I think, March, I want to say. This was an episode that Carlos came on the podcast this uh, past Carlos, year. Our Robots him. episode. Um, and one of the tracks that we were the most uh, really feeling in that episode was something he brought in from Transformers Devastation. This is called Motor Master, and it was composed by Satoshi Igarashi, Tetsuya Shibata, and some other talented composers. Let's take a listen to Motor Master. guys are listening to Motor Master from Transformers Devastation, composed by some talented composers led by Satoshi Igarashi. This track is so great because it captures the heart of classic video game music, but finally getting right. to hear it with this real band who is rocking 11 out of 10 intensity. Great kind of classic rhythms and, and melodies that we would expect to hear from even back to something like the NES era. Um, finally having this fully realized. it's there's, there's a certain level of cheesiness that you get in this, which is kind of exactly what you want for a Transformers game. Very 80s in spirit. Sure. Yeah, but also a little bit more like badass and hard rocking than like... It when works I think for a modern the, game too. The 80s Transformer music, uh, definitely a little bit more like fusion-y and kind of has that almost technological well, it's a, It is a perfect balance. This game sound. came out in f- 2015, I believe, for the PS3. Um, and so, yeah, it, it definitely sounds like it, it could be a modern VGM score, right. but it has a lot of heart. Yeah, no, that I definitely hear back. the like '80s uh, influence in the music, and even the stuff like the guitar tone and how kind of reverberant everything is. Um, yeah, this is yeah. definitely a standout highlight. I'm glad we're revisiting this, and it reminds me that we really got to get Carlos back on the podcast, and not just because I miss yeah. him after Magfest. Uh, we invented a secret handshake between the two of us. So I'm excited <laughs> to get to try that out again. But I, we were talking, we, we got to do a, uh, fighting game, fighting games episode. Pretty weird. Carlos we haven't done that because yet, huh? he is so into fighting games and is like, he's like a professional. Like he, yeah, that's definitely an essential. He episode plays too. like hard. There's a um, lot of great so music. That'd be fun. I was joking with him, like, how great would it be t- for us to do a fighting games episode and then just not even tell him and not include him? <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be hilarious. That'd be horrible. Well, we had an episode uh, this past year, another Modern Chiptunes episode. What what was that one called? That was called Yet Another Installment of Modern Chiptunes. And um, something that was so impressive to both of us was this track from Simon Stalinhog, Stalinhog, 
and it's a chip tune of his called 3442. Um, I remember I was just really grooving up to it on that episode. It's kind of Sega-y, kind of MJ-ish. It's just really, really good. Very 90s. Just a classic chip tune. Let's take a listen to 3442. You guys are listening to 3442 by the wonderful chip tuner Simon Stallenhag, who we've, I think we've played his music a couple times on the podcast. He is so good at FM synth music. Oh my God, he's just making this sing. It reminds me of Sonic. It reminds me of some sort of like desert stage or kind of ruined stage in like a 16-bit Sonic game. But it is so hard-hitting and so funky. I adore well, this track. Just listening to this piece of music, if I had to guess the name of the composer, I, I can promise you it would not have been Simon <laughs> Stallenhag. Uh, no offense to Simon, but I it just it sounds so much like the music of a Japanese composer. It has mm-hmm. a lot of the the tenets of j-pop and j-fusion and chip music and video game music and uh it's just so absolutely delightful and you can tell that that is what the influences are for a piece of music like this Mm -hmm. but i also that's something that i love because i think um music is international and there's the cliche about it being the universal language but one of the things that i love about music is there's a sort of egalitarian or fair quality about it that really anyone from anywhere in the world um, is free to create and make music. And it's one of the more accessible art forms, I feel. I mean, there's definitely mm-hmm. a cost of, you know, if you want to make something like this, you need to be able to afford a computer, you need to be able to afford software. But it's definitely much easier to achieve, like, the real deal good sounding thing than like making a film yeah um, and there's something that I love about it that it's just people from all different parts of the world from different backgrounds can create this music that really I, it's I think universal. a lot of our favorite Japanese composers would really be into a track like this I mean Even this is an these incredible two people track. might not yeah they might not speak the same language for they me might come this from was parts of the world one of the considerations of track of the year I mean probably one of my favorite things that I've discovered this past year just absolutely love that well this 
is another one, and it's kind of funny that this actually comes from a, a Marcato Radio episode. And that's not the first time that's happened in Greatest Hits, if, if you recall, uh, guys. That happened with Resistance and Extermination from Gravity Rush. So sometimes phenomenal music uh, happens in Marcato Radios. This is from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torna, the Golden Country, a DLC. Uh, this is the battle theme composed by Kenji Hiramatsu, who I am such a big fan of. This is, an, this is a wonderful track. Let's take a listen to Battle. Ever love this. This is Battle from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Torna, the Golden Country, by the wonderful Kenji Hiramatsu. I'm going for this kind of jazz pop rocking VGM track. What I love about it is that it has, um, you know, kind of typical jazz instruments with the upright bass and the real drums. You get some strings also. The music is maybe a little bit more high energy and, and poppy, rocky than you might expect from that ensemble. But that's what I find so charming about this. Yeah, absolutely. This <laughs> this track just feels absolutely classic. I mean, that vamp. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it just every single thing pumping. about this piece of music feels uh, so familiar, but in the best way possible because it's mm-hmm. very exciting music. Uh, it's a very dazzling arrangement. I love all the parallel fourths and fifths. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like classic video game music. It has these really catchy, um, powerful, and memorable rhythms. Um, yeah, it, it's great just, performance. It's just outstanding, and I actually like how acoustic everything is because I think yeah, this me is too. a track that, in another era, would have a much more kind of heavy reliance on synth and electronic elements. And obviously, electronic music is very popular now. Um, it, but there, there's something about this. There's something about this track, and um, it's very produced, but how much it just relies on acoustic instruments that I think is really cool. That's the appeal. Because the composition itself is kind of funky, and I think um, could really survive a variety of different types of arrangements. But I think the way that it's arranged not only makes it sit with the other Xenoblade uh, series music... Um, but it also makes it, I guess, a little bit stand out. Uh, and that's something that I think I've, I've learned 
as a, a composer, but more as just like a musician and um, producing stuff that I think sometimes when you're first starting off, your tendency is to almost lean into a cliche. So if you write a piece of music, you're like, oh, this sounds like it should be, you know, X, Y, Z, or this riff sounds like it should be from Motown. So let's just produce it to sound exactly like a Motown song and lean right. into those cliches. And then I think eventually you learn that sometimes it's more exciting to have intentionally have things mismatch so for instance this piece of music the kinds of sounds that it's making me think are not orchestral music sounds Um, but I think it's really cool that they intentionally leaned in the opposite direction because it makes the track more unique and stand out in that way it has a lot of appeal I absolutely love Hiramatsu he's one of my favorite active composers every project I hear him do he just is just amazing um, all right, let's move on to uh, a track from our Lufia episode. And interestingly enough, this particular piece, which was one of the two tracks of the week, um, we had never played on the podcast before, but it's so classic you would have imagined we would have, but we didn't. This is Final Battle from Lufia 2, composed by Yasunori Shiono. So classic. You guys are listening to Final Battle, a very emotional piece of music, but also fairly rocking from Lufia 2 for the SNES composed by Yasunori Shiono. That was a really fun episode to explore the whole series. We had this crazy realization that some of our favorite um, pieces and melodies uh, that were rearranged for the Game Boy for uh, some Lufia Game Boy tracks, we actually really loved those arrangements a lot. Remember, we were kind of surprised by that because some people might think, oh, that's going to be more limited. But there was a charm in the Game Boy arrangement that, uh, especially I think for this melody, we, there was a Game Boy version of it that we just was maybe our definitive version. Um, but yeah, this this is such a great melody from Lupita How too. classic is this? So and classic. I, mean, I also just love the arrangement. I mean, those string SNES sounds are so classic. With the harp and that the trumpet. brass, that trumpet sound. I mean, just the contour of this melody... It captures and uh, distills so much of what was great about the Super Nintendo, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, it just hits the curves so many of things. that melody, there's so many JRPG games that have that 
type of thing, and then this arrangement, and then that kind of it's more of like a rock rhythm. It's something. I mean, that yeah, when I, I mean, hear that rhythm, it I makes think, me think of like Foo Fighters. Well, my favorite thing about this kind of you know you know sixteen bit VGM is the emotion is so serious. It's a very serious playing right. it straight emotion, um, but it has a lot of energy to it, and totally, it's not just uh, like film music sound. I mean, you have like Will right. said, you have a rock kind of drum beat throughout this and it's very driving and, and catchy and poppy in times but very well and you're having the strings doing like a guitar-esque vamp um mm-hmm. yet it has this sort of like these suspensions that are flirting with like the ninth it's very sort of unsettling and uncertain um yeah this is just uh a, a wonderful and legendary battle track. Um, so good. So, One of the best battle so tracks, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. And and again, I think it's kind of confusing. Is this actually a battle track? I know people after that episode were saying, I know it's confusing, but some of the titles, uh, you know, like tracks that you might not expect are battles and then this one could potentially not be a battle but whatever let's move on to a piece of music um that zach brought in on our show and tell or on our listener show and tell one of our listener show and tell episodes and this was actually the track of the week for that episode we loved this so much zach also known as Phazon masher on our discord <laughs> or as i would pronounce it Fazin masher i had forgotten <laughs> i'm not good with all the aliases so zach laughed at me pretty hard when yeah, we Will, Ranch. Will definitely likes to know people's real names, that's for sure. Um, this is a an FM synth arrangement from the Atelier series. This is Nelke in the Legendary Alchemists, Ateliers of the New World. And this track is called Hyacinth, and it's composed originally by Daisuke Achiwa. Let's take a listen. Another this piece of music so that is a newer piece, but really reminds me of the Sega Genesis Sonic games. So much personality, so much vibrancy here. This is Hyacinth from Nelke and the Legendary Alchemists, composed by Daisuke Achiwa. Hats off. Amazing. Just, just incredible. Phenomenal melody, wonderful form. I mean, it really tells mm-hmm. such a story. 
Um, and it, just a dazzling, incredible FM arrangement. Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite tracks. Of- this is a perfect example of what I love about listener show and tells. I love when our listeners know our tastes and what we like about video game music and try to find something that they know we're going to love. Um, and this was absolutely the case. If you guys want to know what kind of video game music we love, it's this kind. <laughs> I mean, this is just... Oh, this is. I mean, I think we like a lot of different kinds of things, but I I guess this is probably like our common ground. This is where where we align. Groove and has everything you'd want. Tune meets kind of beautiful soaring melody, and yeah, it's just so darn catchy uh, and memorable. I mean, it reminds me a lot of like the early ease music. Just it has this sort of interesting curve in the melody. It's very very simple and pure but there's also something specifically off about it that sticks in your mind for sure Um, and that's one of my favorite things about video game music is that it's quirky it isn't just kind of like elevator background music there's always something about it that makes it a little bit more memorable most video game music is very pleasing um, but even the stuff that isn't as high energy and rocking as this there's usually something quirky about it something Mm -hmm. humorous something that makes it stick out and that's one of my favorite aspects of game music well guys way back in may we finally did a spotlight on specifically super mario galaxy 2 and it's pretty silly that we have a galaxy 2 track on a greatest hits 2019 episode but hey we had never played this before and so it does count this is the world 3 map theme i guess you could say from galaxy 2 which is such a beautiful spacey piece of music composed by mihito yakoda let's take a listen I remember when I first got to this World 3 map, I put down the Wii mote, and I was just blown away that, wow, this is Mario map music now. And I remember just thinking in this moment that we've come a long way, and it was almost more powerful for me for this map than any of the, the kind of stage themes, just because I was thinking back to the early Mario map music. It's just... It's crazy how far the series has come. Right. And I just love Galaxy 2 so much because every type of music was given so much respect and, like, money. Like, the fact that this map theme that could have just been, you know, synths or, you know, virtual instruments is was given this um, beautiful performance and recording. Just gorgeous. I also think that Mihiro Yakoda and Koji Kondo um, are such a great 
pairing. Their music really works well together, and I feel like on the Galaxy games, they were at peak of inspiring one another. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's the famous, or I guess not famous, but story of legend at this point, which is that Mihiro Yokota's original soundtrack to Galaxy was unused because Koji didn't like it, and it was much more Latin, and I mm-hmm. think it was a little maybe not as serious, not as kind of exciting. And Koji, through writing good at Galaxy, I think helped Yokota-san to understand the direction that they wanted to go. But then right. I feel like that unlocked something in him that I now see is like central to his identity. And yeah. I, it just I, it's something that makes me so happy listening to a great piece by Mahito Yokota. It's this perfect blend of individual identity, confidence, but a love and reverence to the series. Like this is un deniably mario music um but it it's like a it's a more sophisticated fancy version of mario music well imagine you have a shelf of like wonderful pieces of art and then someone creates something new that definitely stands on its own but it fits it sits on the shelf in a very comfortable way and it complements what's already there mm-hmm. just beautiful so i'm glad we got to play a galaxy 2 track on this Greatest Hits episode. All right, let's move on to one of my favorite pieces we played on the podcast this past year, and it is a cover of a great piece of video game music from Octopath Traveler. The track is called A Settlement in the Red Bluffs, and it is performed by the Hit Points, who are probably my personal favorite VGM cover band. Same. And they were at uh, MAGFest. They're going to actually also be at VGM Con in March, and I can't wait to see them and hang out with them there. Just crazy. They're Absolute monsters. Let's take a listen to their amazing cover of A Settlement in the Red Bluffs. You guys are listening to A Settlement in the Red Bluffs from Octopath Traveler, composed by Yasunori Nishiki, performed by the amazing group, The Hit Points. And this is a great video if you guys want to watch. It was recorded in this um, comic shop, this games shop in, I believe, Tennessee, I want to say. Uh, amazing recording, really captures the band in their element. Will had a great idea. He was saying, you know, they should be hired to just perform full video game scores. 
and I totally well, agree. Yeah, like how great would this kind of sound be for like an Assassin's Creed game? You mm -hmm. know, I mean, you get a composer to write the music for the game, but just arrange all the music for their specific ensemble. Because, they're just I so mean, incredible. They're I mean, such dynamic and amazing musicians. There's so many things about them that blow me away. I mean, their arrangements are so tasteful and, and just choice, like choices you're not expecting, tracks you're not expecting them to do. They kind of elevate the original many times. And then when they solo, you just realize what virtuosos they are on their instruments. Well, it also reminds Beautiful. me of, uh, we heard, Carlos and Marty and I heard this incredible mariachi band uh, yes. The last night of yeah, Magfest. I heard them as well. And what's so insane to me about Magfest is it's kind of like you're living in an alternate reality because the fact that bands like that or like the Hit Points exist and do such authentic music steeped in a rich musical style outside of game music, yet they incorporate all this incredible video game music into their body of work. It, it's it's like living on another planet. It's like another planet where uh, video game music became like this the popular jazz standards or something. Yeah. And it's a world that I've always like dreamed about. And when you go to mm -hmm. Magfest, that dream comes true. That like you can go to the jam space and people have VGM lead sheets and they're playing these classic songs together. And it's like yeah, I always dreamt about stuff like that. And in the early days of our podcast, we'd talk about melodies like oh, this should be in the video game version of the real book but like you go to magfest and people live that that was another special thing that me and marty got to do this year for the first time that we had never really done before is is sit in on one of those jam those like lead jams uh, i can't remember what they call it jam clinic yeah like a jam clinic and we got to play some some great tracks with a bunch of other great players like we played this thing from uh deltarune this fields of hopes and dreams and then we also actually played uh jump up superstar and there was a great vocalist who joined in for that one. That was really tricky because I didn't have music on the drums. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just had to try to remember the song and play it, which is, you know, a fast big band tune. And so that was kind of stressful, but it was really fun. And and that's one of the great things is that uh, so many people come together at MAGFest that have this love of this music. And it really feels like you're with family. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. God, the hit points are so freaking good. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, a great moment in the podcast this past year, our Takashi Tateishi episode. And one of the fun things about the playlist of that episode is we got to shine a light on some music that we had never played or really discovered on the podcast. Up until recently, wasn't even credited to Tateishi-san. And so this is so exciting. It's an old arcade game called Mad Gear which he did mention in the interview, actually. And it's just so cool hearing it because it's classic Takashi. Let's take a listen to Capital Stage 1.
You know, it's so wonderful. Such an early, one of the early things that he ever did, but it perfectly captures what we love about him and his music. Composed by Takashi Tateishi, this is Capital, stage one from the arcade game Mad Gear. There's a cadence point, there's a melody point that really reminds me of Dr. Wily, actually. Um, it's so groovy and syncopated. Just a great piece of video game music. Yeah, absolutely. It is a classic. It's an undiscovered classic. Yeah. Um, it's so good. It's so dancey, too. My head was doing yeah. a head waggle the whole time. I mean, it's really just groovy and catchy and harmonically nice and adventurous. I love all the little chromatic touches. It's cool because, like, you definitely hear Takashi's voice rhythmically, melodically, but it's it's such a different style than, like, most of the Mega Man music, and it's also really cool hearing it you in know what? sort of it, FM arcade presentation. It really reminds me of Matsumai's music in Area 88 or UN Squadron. Um, yeah, I feel like yeah, it could kind sure. of fit at home in that score. I just love early Capcom arcade music by both of those two wonderful legends. That is so good. All right, let's move on to a piece of music um, that I believe I brought in on Show and Tell, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this is a wonderful chiptune, a collaborative chiptune from Spring Tracks 8, uh, which is a Battle of the Bits competition by two amazing chiptuners, H. Mister, and I guess I would say Null, which is NU11, both outstanding, and so when they teamed up, oh my gosh, did they did they ever deliver on this one? It's such a great track. It's very long, and I highly suggest you guys checking out this whole thing if you Google this. If you Google this track, it's called Suppressed Feelings and then Battle of the Bits. You can, you can find the whole thing on that website. It's over five minutes, and there's not much looping, if, if at all. And so definitely check out this whole masterpiece. This is Suppressed Feelings. This is so good. You guys are listening to Suppressed Feelings from Spring Tracks 8. 
which actually, you know, we were talking about this earlier, this is a piece of 2019 music, not from a video game, from two amazing chip tuners. So, so good. I love both of these chip tuners. This was all done on Famitracker. There's one, if not two, expansions that they used. Um, but yeah, just imagine these two talented folks, you know, trading this project back and forth and, and adding stuff so many different sections of this and so I imagine certain sections were you know written by specific people um, but yeah it's it's kind of this amazing 8-bit journey I feel like Tim Fallon would really appreciate this I was definitely thinking about Tim Fallon I was also thinking about uh, the Metroid series like the sort of oh, interesting um, atmospheric kind of dark and cavernous quality reminded me of Kenji Yamamoto um, Interesting. Yeah, this is a this is an outstanding piece. I mean, just a delightful arrangement. Uh, I really love everything that the drums are doing. I like all the the different transitions, and it's very progressive in that way. That it has all these different non-repeating sections, yet different melodies and motifs are sort of developed and evolve over the course of everything, mm -hmm. which I like. That it's not just separate sections that are completely unattached. It's like a new rhythmic idea is introduced in a new form and a new section, yet we hear. Uh, a motive or a snippet of a melody from an earlier part return. I like that because it all feels linked and it feels like the piece is evolving um, in a natural yeah. way, which is really cool. God, that's just so good. You guys were just listening to Suppressed Feelings. And from that modern chiptune, let's move on to an actual piece of video game music that was not from 2019, but that we focused on in this year. In this particular version of this track, we played for the first time in 19, but this melody we had heard a long time ago in our Naoshi Mizuda episode. And so when we f were spotlighting on this game, um, some of some of these tracks that use this melody were like, ah, I remember this. This is a classic. This is Noel's theme from Final Fantasy 13-2, which was that spotlight episode we did. This is composed by Naoshi Mizuta. Let's take a listen.
ever love Naoshi Mizuda. This is Noel's theme, which he composed from Final Fantasy thirteen two. We did a spotlight this past summer on the score, and the other composers that joined Mizuta-san were the wonderful Masashi Hamauzu and Mitsuto Suzuki. And I will say that this is one of my favorite modern FF scores. I think it's so much better than a lot of other ones that get way more acclaim and um, just more conversation. Uh, this is so yeah, good. Perhaps a, an underrated score. Just a brilliant idea. Uh, just having that sort of wordless, breathy, and intimate female vocal on that it's melody. It's my favorite it's way to do incredibly it. incredibly captivating. It's so... And timeless, and it works for everyone. Any human on the planet would yeah, I mean, respond to this. It's evocative. It's beautiful. It's kind of sexy. It's a little bit haunting and I mean it's it, it is it is universal I mean having it wordless makes it work in any language in any context what I'm, I'm so thankful for this piece of music because everything about it felt like fate like obviously Mizuta is a great composer and he really rose to the occasion to craft a simple and powerful theme the arrangement's great but if they didn't get this exact vocalist I, I can't imagine it being quite as powerful I love how breathy she is with it she has great pitch and just a great tone but the breathiness it really has this intimacy and an almost kind of this um tragic quality to it that mm-hmm. really just tugs at my heart and makes me feel a lot of it's emotions. very appropriate for this piece it's appropriate for there's like a subdued and melancholy sound to the harmony that this kind of singing approach really works it's it's so perfect. He was the perfect person to write this. She was the perfect vocalist to perform on it. Just a great track from a great score. One of my favorite modern Final Fantasy scores, for sure. Glad we got to do that spotlight episode. All right, guys, we're going to move on to this week's, or I guess I should say this year's. I don't even know how to say it, but we're going to move on to the track of the year. <laughs> this How do you is going to be a surprising. This is going to be a surprising choice for some people. Is it? But I is it going to be a surprising it. choice? It's when I think great. of 2019, the first thing that comes to mind is obscure <laughs> DS music, Heck and yeah. one of the obscure DS scores that was uh, kind of celebrated and and praised this past year was Harvest Moon DS Grand Bazaar, composed by Noriko Ishida and Eri Yasuda. And the track that we just thought was kind of oddly fitting for track of the year was Ending Kari. Anything you want to say to set this up, Will? I think this is absolutely perfect. I so adore all of this music. And uh, we played in with that Sanex character channel, which also gives me a similar feeling. Um, but so much of this DS music is very Nintendo-y, is very Mario-esque um, and so much of it, there's just something about those sounds where I feel like the DS was like, I, I don't know, SNES part two, because there's so much just really beautiful, catchy melodies and the sound of those samples, it ha- is, has sort of a classic charm to it for me. And I think there's just mm-hmm. a lot of lost and forgotten music and games on that system because it was so popular. It was kind of like the yeah, next gen sure. game boy. This, ca- this came from... It originally came from a show and tell, but it was also featured on that um, DS Deep Cuts episode this summer. And we aren't playing anything today from that uh, infamous Zidon Hojin Nihon game. But yes, <laughs> this will kind of capture everything that we loved about obscure DS music this past year. Let's take a listen to Ending Kari. 
You guys are listening to Ending Kari from Harvest Moon DS Grand Bazaar, and we gotta look into Noriko Ishida and Eri Yasuda, because they knocked this one out of the park. This could fit at home in the Animal Crossing series, even other Nintendo series, maybe even something like Yoshi, or maybe some... some um, any kind of relaxed, subdued But, I game. mean, it's like you mentioned those series. I, I mean, I think this would put Kazumi Tataka on his toes. I put. I think this would put Tomoya Tamida on his it's toes. Just I mean, it's just outstanding, yeah. It's as good, good as a writing. lot of that stuff. It's also hilarious, too. Like, it's so cute. I A lot of people would probably describe this as saccharin. Um, but this is my favorite kind of thing. You know, I mean, we've talked about it. I love old production music. I love public domain stuff. And I was thinking this would be so funny. And, you know in movies and TV shows like when when something happens on like a live show the joke is always like the camera cuts and I think they even did this in Joker and it says we'll be right back we're experiencing technical difficulties or whatever Mm -hmm. it would be so funny to have this music play during that because it seems like there's always some like Quirky yeah, I mean, it's music. there's a lot of silliness clearly to this music, but one reason why we wanted to pick this for track of the year is because it was probably the most joyous uh, piece yeah, of music that undeniably. we played on the podcast, and it just kind of makes you feel like a kid again, and I think we can all use right. that energy these days. And so there you go, folks, ending Kari. We got your obscure DS <laughs> in for the episode. Now let's move on to one of my favorites of this past year. It's an incredible chiptune called 100 Eater, from the incredible Japanese chiptune artist who goes by the alias Umeboshi Chazuke. And it's from their Bandcamp album, which I don't really know how to pronounce. Let's see if I have... Yeah, I guess you could call it Ajitama Memoir. So you can find this on Bandcamp. It's so amazing. Let's take a listen to 100 Eater. smokes this is 100 eater and i gotta say that Boshi chazuke uh their brain just fires on a different speed and level than any of us i just can't even understand how you would approach making this piece of music because it's just it's just insane it just keeps changing and evolving and, and surprising you over it and over again but it works pure joy i think is yeah. the best way to describe it uh much like that harvest moon track yeah exactly like that that track in this is just kind of like a back-to-back smattering of, of pure joy yeah this is just so great i love the intensity and the energy and the arrangement is so good you know this is a track where for me 
it doesn't feel like this melody was slaved away to create some sort of perfect, pure thing. Again, it just feels like no, an explosion so. of color and sound and joy. And it's a distillation of so I much just, what's yeah, great about video Absolutely video not, music. Will, because to me it seems like this track was like spewed out in such a fast like crazy fashion like he probably worked like a measure a minute you know like that's kind of what it sounds like and it's it's just so impressive but i know what you're saying yeah it's just it's an explosion yeah it's, it's sort of soloistic approach to the melody and i think my favorite music is like if you can get this kind of energy but with like a really well crafted melody mm-hmm. but i mean you just can't deny the the sheer power and force of something like this and yeah. it's so exciting it's, undeniable. it's really dazzling the chords are great the rhythms are great the arrangement is just so clever and constantly changing so yeah this is just dazzling that chazuke is one of my favorite artists that i found this past you know however many years i'm so glad i i, I found that artist okay let's move on to a track from mother three And that was another really awesome spotlight that we did this past year, long overdue. Let's take a listen to a piece we had never played on the pod before. This is And El Mariachi, composed by Shogo Sakai. There's something that this has in common with the previous track, 100 Eater, kind of the stream of consciousness approach to the composition where it's changing on a dime, and that's kind of one of the gimmicks of it. Um, This one does feel a little bit more specifically crafted and whittled, maybe, than that uh, previous track did. This is End, El Mariachi from Mother 3 by Shogo Sakai, one of my favorite tracks from the game, and for whatever reason, one that I never really... Uh, remembered or or maybe listened to before preparing for that episode and so I have even more of a love and appreciation for the composer and for the score after that so what a delight this is. It'd be fun to hear that mariachi band that we heard uh, at MAGFest do do this this, because it would be a very actually different arrangement it doesn't really sound like mariachi well yeah because this is not but nothing yeah this has a lot of different genres none of them are mariachi it's also game boy advance so it's like mm-hmm. the, it, there's a limit to how accurate i mean i think you could do a version of this song and sound like mariachi music i mean to me it it ends up just sounding like sort of stereotypical you know latin music well it's tango um, and then bossa nova is really what, <laughs> yeah. what it is but i mean it's great stuff it's really i love the melodies and i you can tell there's a definite 
love there. Uh, I think, yeah, the term mariachi is a bit of a misnomer in this right. context, but it's a it's just a delightful piece. My favorite part is that sort of bridge C section when you get the jazz flute and the triangle in there. Like, oh, it's that's so good, just man. awesome. That part's Classic so Nintendo. cool and really puts a smile on my face. Well... One really awesome uh, spotlight that we did this year that I had been looking forward to for a long time was finally getting to focus on the recent release, Atelier Riza. And it was really exciting because Hayato Asano contributed some music to, and the track of the week on that episode and our favorite thing from the score was his battle theme, Enlightenment from Atelier Riza, which is so perfectly Hisano. It's very ex- um, expressive. It's very progressive and kind of fusion-y. This is, this is a piece, if you recall, is uh, most of it is in 7-8. Um, so there's a sense of surprise from that meter. But it's also very joyous. It, it's classic Atelier music because it has this kind of folk world music sound mixed with a lot of other genres such as rock or electronic or fusion and it's just unlike anything else in video games, really. So let's take a listen to the very entertaining Enlightenment. You guys are listening to Enlightenment from Atelier Riza, one of my favorite pieces of new VGM released in 2019. So this could have been something that would have made our um, best of the yeah, decade. Yeah, I didn't quite make our decade episode, but definitely if we did a best of 19 as far as VGM released last year, this would absolutely be on it. One of my top five maybe from this past year. Yeah, I love um, the way that Asano writes in 7-8 because uh, oftentimes, it's interesting, people just sort of like double down on musical cliches a lot. We were talking about this earlier, but so often in games and in media music, uh, meters like 7-8 or 5-8 or any kind of odd meter like that are used to characterize intense action, some sort of surprising ostinato. Mm. What I love about here is this is another expression of pure joy. And yeah. the fact that it's written in 7-8 just makes it a whole lot groovier and kind of feel surprising. much more syncopated. And the thing that I love about it is, yeah, uh, it, it's just it, how natural everything feels. It's not one of and those that's not tracks easy. that is... Um, 
it doesn't feel like there's just that lopped off beat like it's written in another meter and you're just chopping off a measure it's it's really intrinsically composed around um this seven eight vamp and i i was remarking to carl when we were listening to this is like gosh i just i want to write more music in odd meters like this because for me it's always like i have to think about it from the beginning i have to set your instinct to write something like okay i'll write something in seven eight because it just i I just i'm not fluent in those meters it it doesn't just pour out of me the way that Mm -hmm. you know four four and three four and six eight and stuff like that does um yeah, but this, when you hear something like this, it's so exciting. And the, when a composer can make it sound so natural and not sound like just some sort of tool or effect that you're using in a cliched way, but really Well, get... I loved this so much because it reminds me of so many other pieces that Asano has done before. Um, I love that it had the folk kind of flute quality to it. I love that there was some synth dancey elements to it um yeah just i don't know it's just a great atelier track and great piece of music asano one of my favorite composers working in games right now um let's move on to another uh, awesome 2019 track that if we did a best of that year this would be on there this is the track of the week from our fire emblem three houses episode this is the night of the ball which is a very beautiful romantic and Kind of a melancholy piece of music composed by Hiroki Morishida. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to The Night of the Ball from Fire Emblem Three Houses, composed by Hiroki Morishida. And I really love that in this Greatest Hits 2019 episode, we get that main Three Houses theme to make an appearance because that was one of the most memorable themes that we have discussed and talked about this past year on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it happens near the end of that piece, the The Night of the Ball. Most of it is original material, but they do hearken to it. Um, it's it's maybe the only track in the whole score that features uh, real violin. There might be maybe one other one, um, but yeah, this is this is kind of the sound uh, and the quality that I look for from Hiroki Morishita. Sure, this is so beautiful. Yeah, I love this piece of music. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Randy Newman and his film scores just because of that sort of old-fashioned american songbook kind of Mm. harmonic choices but mixed with like a chamber orchestra presentation um it's really lovely 
Uh, yet not the default sound I think of when it comes to Hiroki Morishita, but all of his benchmarks in terms of really beautiful harmonies and beautiful melodies, uh, that's all on display here. Well, yeah, another thing that's on display is there are elements of this that feel very classical and traditional, but what I love about it is, let's say that the the string melody and maybe the progression feels maybe more old-school classical, the piano interjections are, are a lot more modern and kind of jazzy. And yeah. so it's this really great combination. Uh, yeah, it's to definitely make it feel much more jazzy than classical. I mean, I think which hearing is something an that we love about Morishita. piece in three four m- might make you think classical, but these chords are total, you know, nineteen thirties like American music chords. It's so good. Let's move on to the last track on the playlist other than our incredible playout. So definitely don't go anywhere. Um, This is something that really surprised us. On a recent Ice and Snow Returns episode, we featured a track from Street Fighter V, which came out a few years ago. And I wasn't really expecting that much when I checked it out. And we were blown away by it. Uh, Mentioned it earlier when we were talking about that Xenoblade track, how it had that that really good jazz kind of combo performance. This is another one. Really strong performance here from a great group. Great piece of modern jazz music here. It's called Christmas in New York Stage. And I'll say all the composers because Will had a really big laugh on that episode. We have Masahiro Aoki, Hideyuki Fukasawa, Kaiki Kobayashi, Takatsugu Wakabayashi, and Zach Zinger. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a listen to one of our favorite discoveries this year. This is Christmas in New York Stage. So good. You guys are listening to Christmas in New York Stage, a wonderful modern jazz, jazz fusion piece from Street Fighter V. And I have no idea if this is the sound of Street Fighter V. I don't really have an idea of if this is a particularly good score through and through. I haven't dove into all of it. All I know is that I I'm love sure this track. I'm sure Carlos has opinions. I'm sure he does, but <laughs> this track is amazing. Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, this is really cool. And I'm excited to do a fighting games episode with him. I think we'll just have to yeah. drive down to Milwaukee, kidnap him, uh, and record an episode. <laughs> he might be a little bit startled and nervous during it. 
We just turn the mics on as soon as we take off the bag over. I mean, I think he's always ready to talk about fighting games. I can't (laughs) imagine. I think you could literally keep him in a trunk for five hours as you drive back, and then he'd be ready. Gosh, I hope he's listening to this and isn't terrified. I'm not going to actually <laughs> Maybe do that, Maybe not Carlos. do that, yeah. All right, I at guys, least give so you a text heads up first. There you go. The playout today is one of our favorite pieces from a really exciting score that came out in the tail end of 2019. It's from Shovel Knight King of Cards, and it's the Buzz in the Grotto Troupel Pond which is one of the strongest pieces we've played on the podcast this past year. So definitely check this out as we send you on your way. Hey, dude, I don't know if you've noticed this, but (laughs) I think a lot of people are afraid to tell us that they're not as into Jake Kaufman as we are because like (laughs) so many people have come up to me or said something after our recent shovel Knight episode. And they're like, yeah, I listened to it, man. You guys really like Jake Kaufman (laughs) and they're not, I'm expecting them to be like, God, isn't that music incredible? But they're just Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, you guys really like it. (laughs) There's, there's some, yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard a lot of people sharing the love. Um, yeah, but how can you not? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I can't answer that question. So yeah, Tropical Pond, such a good theme from a really nice score to cap off the Shovel Knight series and a fitting way to end this episode. Here we go. Greatest Hits 2019 in the books. Can you believe it? We're in the new decade. Wow. Yeah. Great. Exciting. Lovely. 2020. Um, off to an interesting start so far, but yeah, I'm, I have high hopes. Thanks to everybody who hung out with us at MAGFest, who came to our show at the Belvedere. We also had a kind of a surprise show in the in the Jam Pod, which was really well attended and really fun and successful. And then everyone who came to our panel, um, shout out to all the Mercado fam. Which was less well attended, but it was it was nice and intimate and fun. Yeah, the people there we, we really loved. Shout out to our Discord if anybody wants to join in. Um, it, it's a wonderful community that slowly grows, you know, every, every single month. And so we have a wonderful time on there. I think that's about it. Yeah, uh, we'll get out of your hair. Oh, yeah, one thing I want to mention. Carlos is um, sort of retooling and redesigning some of his art for the project we worked on last year, Superstar Squadron. That's right. So we're going to kind of um, almost re-release the album with his updated art. And to sort of commemorate that, I'm writing one new... Uh, stage theme one new kind of track that's uh, very fun for it so that'll be sort of fun um yeah uh definitely check that out uh we'll probably let you know when when that's happening but cool stuff awesome well guys we're gonna play you out with the buzz in the grotto my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann have a great week everybody peace out 